Welcome everyone to a uh, triumphant return of the Jankyard after our winter hiatus, brief hiatus. Uh, it's more of a solstice break, I'd say. Um, anyway, we're back and better than ever, or at least uh, here than we have been in the last couple weeks. Uh, I'm Schmendrix, your host for this evening, and uh, with me is Killer Cactus, fresh off of a steamy hot tub sesh. Yes, sir. Nothing like steamy hot tub sessions and Russian submarines, baby. Oh, also an Axis and Allies duel uh, that went on for five hours, which is, I think, a short game of Axis and Allies. Yeah. And also joining us is The Treatment, who is braving the short days of the Canadian North. Hey, everyone. It's actually pretty good here. It's Well, it's miserable. It's just raining and no snow. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. No, it's miserable. Well, it's not wintry. It it doesn't feel like Christmas or anything. It's just rain, rain and warm weather. I don't like it. Yeah, very similar where I'm at, too. And I agree. Not very Christmassy at all. We've had some snow here in Colorado and um, both where I'm at in Denver and also up in the mountains. So I'm going to take my twin five year olds to their very first ski lesson tomorrow, which is going to be exciting to say the least but I am just looking forward I've been my wife was working this week I've had off so I've been watching them on my own for the last three days and the idea of just like pushing them down a hill is exciting (laughs) five uninterrupted hours where the ski teacher is taking care of them sounds like heaven on earth so let's go there you go yeah I'm curious how the hills here whether they're even operating Cause it's too warm and there's no snow. So I don't like, you couldn't even make snow to keep up with the weather. I I don't know how they're doing. Yeah. It's brutal. Global warming, man. Tell us about this, um, Russian submarine killer. What, what happened? Why did you end up reliving the hunt for red October for five hours? Yeah. Well, we had, um, my so my buddy and I, I I played my first game of Axis and Allies. My buddy and I against two ten year olds, um, us as the Axis powers and them as the Allies. And uh, a- after a very very swift and glorious conquest of the Soviet <laughs> Union, we realized that the German Navy had been completely depleted, and the only <laughs> The, the only Russian unit left on the board was a submarine that was controlling our port in Germany, which uh, which prevented us from rebuilding the German Navy at all. Um, so it then took uh, another few hours to figure out how to get a transport um, from a port captured in Turkey by the Japanese through the Mediterranean Sea, around the coast of Spain and Portugal, and up into Great Britain through their ragtag remaining naval defenses to, to conquer Great Britain because the Americans weren't having it. They, uh, they, they would not let me in Japan anywhere close to their border. And it, um, but yeah, that, uh, and he, you know, this 10 year old kid, my, um, my buddy's son, 
knew exactly what he's doing too. He's got his one. You know, like you know, we were joking at him. Oh, hey, it's Russia. It's Russia's turn. Do you want to do something? And he goes with his one submarine. That's it. He goes, yeah, I'm gonna move my submarine right here onto this port, so you can't make boats. And his <laughs> his dad just looked at him. And we and we looked at each other for a while, and we went. Oh crap! We can't make any boats. This is bad. Yeah, it took uh, took a long time, but we eventually did uh, send the dirty allies back to their hovels and took over the world. But and so, do do you feel really good that you and your adult friend playing as the evil Axis powers conquered the allies against some ten year olds? No, I don't. I I feel <laughs> I, I feel fairly terrible about it. Especially, you know, you know, his history lessons to ten-year-olds aside, um, I I felt very outsmarted by a couple of kids. Neither, you know, my son never played either before, right? And we, my buddy's like, I really thought we were just gonna get in there and kill them. Um, and he said he even went like he was going easy early on, like didn't want to just completely wipe his son off the map. Um, because he wanted the game to last longer, and then it ended up lasting five and a half hours. Um, there you go. So careful what you wish for. That's right. Russian submarines, man. You can make sure you take them all out. One of them will spend three and a half hours of your life without blinking. I have a colleague who's played like I don't know a hundred games of Axis and Allies against her brother. I think primarily, and I'm really curious to know what she makes of that. Um, I think they've explored like the entire solution space of Axis and Allies a few times over at this point. I I, I don't think I've ever actually played a game all the way through. <laughs> we were playing with the simplified rule set, so we didn't have the technological advancements that you can get when you play with the complicated stuff, and I, I that may have allowed us to find a different way to destroy a submarine. I don't know, but um, I know that stupid thing sat there literally the whole game. And was, I mean, honestly, I, I told um, my buddy's wife afterwards, I was like, your son's a genius. Like, he, he, he literally stopped our entire takeover <laughs> of Great Britain with one submarine. And uh, um, I think, I mean, kudos for that. But, yeah, that's a, it's really difficult to play a five-and-a-half-hour game with 10-year-olds who, you know, have the attention span of 10-year-olds. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, it was uh, it had a lot of fun. I had a lot more fun than I thought I would, honestly, playing a game like that. Usually, it's like not thirty my... ten minute games. Yeah, right. that you have to keep reminding them to come back. <laughs> yes, to. yeah, and it's you know we're sitting there plotting, right? You know, in between turns, we're talking about everything we're gonna do, and they're not even at the table, right? Like they're 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 not even on the same floor as us, right? They're downstairs. Yeah, they've played three rounds of Super Smash Bros. Yeah, while you guys are playing, and then it's like you know we we figure out everything we're gonna do. Like, hey guys, it's your turn. And he comes up and he goes, oh, I'm just gonna move my submarine here, and you guys are screwed for the rest of the game. <laughs> it's like wow this is just makes me feel like a really dumb person but we had a lot of fun so that's cool treatment how you doing what you have it's been quiet around the server we haven't we've missed our resident shitster i mean i don't know that that's true um or it's that true people have noticed <laughs> but yeah I, I noticed uh yeah i don't know i i for more or less three weeks, I guess, roughly. I've just been 
very frustrated and bitter. And so I basically stopped all my involvement in the community. And I still played a couple PL games more out of stubborn obligation than actual enjoyment. And then after I played Matt Bowers, uh, like two weeks ago, I just dropped out of every league and didn't bother signing up for any of the new tournaments or anything. And, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure when I'm, if, well, I guess probably I will, but I'm not sure when I'm going to join back into anything. Well, it's a weird way to announce that we're looking for a new third host. It's going to be real hard to make this podcast. <laughs> you. No, I'll still do this. Uh, it's just, uh, okay, I've been great. very frustrated, I guess. And I don't know, demoralized. I mean, a lot of things piled up sort of at once, which is weird because any individual thing just makes me sound like a mope. Uh, but um, between like work and whatever, I was leading up to Christmas. Like I just did not want to do Christmas. I just wanted to skip the holidays and Oof. go to January and whatever. It was just, I was very irritable with everything. Um, and definitely Ash has contributed to that. Um, so yeah, but the holidays were more or less, uh, you know, refueling various dramas aside. And, um, but yeah, now that it's been so long since I've been playing or anything, I I don't know if I'm ready to get back yet, but today was the first day I've really like caught up on any sort of conversations or anything. Like I, I turned off all notifications other than direct pings. And uh, so today was the first day I was like scrolling through a lot of conversations that were going on. So it's interesting. Well, we, we probably we probably haven't helped with we've made these podcasts difficult to schedule. I know I have. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was frustrated with that, too. But yeah, we're at least we're doing this now. We're back, which is nice. And um, well, January is a new year, so, you know. It's always good. Turn a new leaf. Hopefully have a new set. I mean, look, I think, I don't know. I go through, I've come to just um, accept that, like, my interest in games like this is going to wax and wane. Like, for me, it's almost always Ashes. It's sort of like Ashes, Marvel Champions, and then kind of a rotating cast of like other games that I play primarily solo that um, yeah I kind of go through cycles of of interest in which I think is healthy like I don't um, you know when I was first falling in love with Ashes in 2020 um, you know there were weeks where it was like the only game I was thinking about um, got pretty obsessive um, and you know, you just can't sustain that level of interest, you know, like now I'm like married to ashes. (laughs) Wait, hold on. I just talked about how I like to rotate games, which is a a weird metaphor with marriage, but in any case, you know, like, and now you're married and uninterested. (laughs) Passion has subsided. You know, now I'm married and I have these two side pieces. No, that's not what I, that's not what I mean. I I just, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain the level of interest. And I think it's important to be able to take a break from the the game especially a game that i know that you aspire to play at a really high level it's really hard to sustain that it's good to have like you know an off season where you're focused on training and maybe not competing or just rest and recovery 
Yeah, probably rest and recovery. It's not like I have any other games. Um, I always think I'm going to get into whatever, Netrunner or something, but ultimately, no, not time or dedication to, to play to the same level or to be involved like in the community to the same level. The other thing that I find brings me back to the game when I am getting tired of it is playing decks that other people have made for me, which is why I've really enjoyed like the Trick or Treat uh, deck where I played Killers and now Secret Santa's in its first week and, and matches are rolling in. Treatment, you're not participating. Um, Killer, how are you finding it so far? I I just had my first game today, which was completely hilarious because I didn't think it was a Secret Santa game at all. It was very secret. It was yeah. a double Secret Santa <laughs> game. You didn't even know. I thought I was playing a knockout <laughs> tournament game. And and it's it's outstanding because I just said, you know what? I I played my Secret Santa deck in Phoenix League this week because I wanted some practice with it and I liked it and then I was like, you know, I'm just going to play it in the knockout tournament because um it's similar to a deck that I had been playing a little bit before. Um, I, I really haven't played anyone except for, or like I've only played two Phoenix Born for the last month. I haven't done a whole lot of experimenting. I've just been on like these two decks and my secret Santa deck is one of those Phoenix Born. It's just a little different. So I said, you know, I'll just play this in knockout too. So I'll play it today. And then I, <laughs> I win my game. I reported in knockout and, dubious archivist who i played against was like no this was secret santa and i'm like oh well that's really good thing i played my secret santa deck there <laughs> that would have been awkward yeah um but yeah i uh i don't think i played last year i think i might have just built a deck for it um and or, well no i take that back i did play but and i remember last year not liking the deck i got and um, I didn't do well in the event, and then I realized after that I was very stubborn with my play style, just in general. Like, I saw this list that somebody gave me, and it wasn't, like, something I would do. So I didn't play it like the deck was built to be played. I played it, like, I just kind of ignored their plan and tried to make my own with that list, and it did not go well. So um, this time I've kind of embraced it. And it's, again, not something I would normally do with um, with this type of deck. I mean, I guess I can probably, like, we can probably talk about it, right? Like, the, what the deck is. It's. I don't know. I don't really know. I, I don't know. Sure, what the, why not? I don't know what the etiquette is, but this will be out for a while anyway. We're loose cannons. Come on. What's uh? I mean, you're only spoiling it for yourself. Yeah, I care. Okay, so I have an Aridel that's um, that's nature, time, and illusion, and it's not a way. It's it's mostly nature, time. There's only one illusion died, just for a couple splash things, and um, it has like frost frog double down stuff in it, and it has a realm walker, and it's got um, it has an option for gates open doesn't have rejuvenate it has a, a bunch of stuff that i normally wouldn't do with Aridel. um but i've really i've played two games now with it and both have been very strong wins and with two different opens like very different opens um that were you know kind of tailored to what i thought i was going to face and 
deck just runs really smooth and it's it's kind of eye-opening you know i build so many decks and i you know at least have a reputation for trying so many different things and it's nice to um really for the first time because like i said last year when i played in this i didn't really embrace the plan that that my deck builder was trying to give me um it's nice to have something that's kind of out of left field for me but am you know i'm i'm finding very you know strong and very interesting to play so i'm kind of hyped up about it that's cool i mean that's the promise i think of secret santa um i think i'm where you were last year maybe not quite as negative i i and i'd love advice about this um treatment gave me some today so maybe we can recap that but i've got a um i asked for lulu i i've got a lulu deck um and part of the reason i asked for lulu is i went through a phase where i really really liked lulu um i'm slightly bitter in that like i was really trying to figure out how to make focused mirror spirits in lulu work before carl and brian decided focused mirror spirits was really cool and i had given up (laughs) by that point um and so like i've largely not touched lulu since then uh this was you know 20 early 2023 maybe or really 2022 um and she's got her new signature card so i was hoping to get a cool lulu deck to really explore her new signature by someone from someone hopefully to explore it more since i've been too lazy or burned um the deck i got it's interesting again it, like you said it's definitely not the kind of thing i would build and that's largely because um well I, i've played one game with it i lost it was close ish grindy but ultimately got overwhelmed by a rin deck um where i just couldn't couldn't quite turn the corner um against all the beef that it was putting on the field um and and chant of transfusion um but the thing that it caused me to reflect on was this is like a pure swing deck. Like if you want to win with this deck, you need, you know, two swings in quick succession, which is what, you know, um, stamina burst is intended. Lulu's new signature is intended to enable. That's just not a kind of deck I play. I don't, I, I don't mind. I, I've really come around to playing a lot of grindy, slow, um, battlefield focused trade decks, but they are almost always enabling a secondary win con. So I play, I've been playing a bunch of Jessa, um, or had been playing a bunch of Jessa and then Fred took the Jessa deck I was playing, uh, and won the trick or treat tournament with it. And then I, you know, we've played the Saria, we played the Harold mill. Um, so this idea of like, just trying to grind out a pure, um, swing win with very little reach it's got i think one molten gold and no mill is really unfamiliar to me so i'm i'm really struggling to figure out just like how to win a swim swing match and uh so yeah i don't know treatment if you've got if you want to give me a pep talk slash how you uh approach that so yeah you you already talked about with stamina burst wanting to get the double tap um and so you have to think about each round building at least once you have it in hand building to that end which i think in my book one of the reasons why say 
like Brian and, and Carl, they're the um the finals was a matchup of basically just two swing decks. Like I, I don't have the list mm-hmm. in front of me, but as far as I know, they had virtually zero true. reach. They had no mill. Uh maybe they had one burn card each, and they had also very minimal if any, like I think they had one Phoenix attendant each, so it's not really even a lot of heal. Um, so it was all about trading, and a lot of it is trading down. I think, uh, especially what like Brian is really good at, um, because I think, well, you can tell me if you have like bears in your deck, but trading down with bears is something that he does a lot. And it's about building Trade, that to find trading down. Let's well, I guess like yeah. trading down. It, um, in the sense of like, he will take out a one-one with a bear rather mm. than waiting to take out something of equal value. I, I maybe that's right. not trading down, but like he will do yeah. whatever. Like he will use his resources on weaker stuff just so that it both forces the opponent to have to spend more resources into something that's then already exhausted and already done something. And if they don't, then he gets to keep that round over round value. And if they if they ignore it, um, or even while they they try and take it down, he can then continue, you know, putting other things on the board and continuing that plan. And so you have to do that so that once you have some sort of critical mass, and I don't know how many units that is, it could be three, could be four or five, that's when you want to turn on the switch of like, okay, here's an all out swing, stamina burst, all out swing again at the top of the round and get your big hit in. And um, that like, that is a long-term game plan. So if you have heal that contributes to it, obviously if you have, I would imagine you have some sort of, I don't know how much you want to spoil because you've shared it with me, but you know, defensive units, that type of thing. Um, And so, yeah, you just have to, it's, it's almost like a mill mindset uh where you're you're really trying to let them waste resources into you and then you're waiting for that counter strike moment yeah i think that's the thing that trips me up is like with jessa burn or a mill deck (laughs) speaks to how i'd say lazy but i mean just baseline ashes takes enough work (laughs) i'm not gonna say lazy but it's like all I'm doing there is like I don't I don't kind of have to visualize or engineer the ending of the game like the deck is doing it right like the deck with Jessa you do have to decide when you start screaming but that's pretty obvious it's basically like as soon as you start getting up on dice on board and that feels stable you can just start spending the dice on screams the mill decks especially like the Saria sort of removal mill decks like the deck is just doing the milling for you. You don't have to do anything. Whereas like, the swing deck, it's like you have to be up on board and you have to be engineering a moment. And I think that's where I'm getting tripped up is like figuring out how to engineer that moment. And like, I'm sure it's, if I could figure out how to do this, I would probably achieve the next kind of leap in my ashes playability. But, uh, I don't I don't know how to get there. Well kind of it takes away the crutches, right? Like I know right when I first started building and then even you know when um 
when I started building with Fred as he was when he was I guess you could say relatively new. Yeah, thanks for that by the way. Yeah, throw in molten gold, throw Seriously. in like whatever color you're in, throw in one of the the burn sets, uh, one of the burn sets of cards just to have that reach. And I don't remember what it was, if it was someone who had told me or if it was when I was, was building with Shadow and I was just like, I just want to stop this, like try and get to the core mechanics of Ashes, which is attacking, defending, and Phoenixborn guarding because that's where the hard decisions and the the measuring and like the forecasting come into play. And I think that's why Brian and Carl are so great, not only with that style of deck, but you know, in general, they know when to trade, they know when to let something counter or not counter or die or step in front of it. And those decisions are really hard because they have so many knock on effects. Whereas if you're playing a mill deck and it's like, okay, well, yeah, sure. I just guard with Finch or let it die and mill two. It's advancing my win con or yeah, sure. Let this unit die. And I final cry or scream. It's advancing my win condition. It's very different because you have something else to do. Whereas with swings, it's like, I need to decide whether this unit trades or dies or I step in front of it and how that's going to affect next round or how that's going to affect their next play. And that's what I ultimately, with Shmoda Pro, I was trying to pull out of Carl's head because he's so good at it. Um, and hopefully I will get in the right mindset to jump back into that series because I think the last talk we had was a lot of um, really valuable insight. And I have since lost, I think, five competitive matches. So I should be able to give him enough. That, that was with two two games I had won, and now I have five games I've lost. So hopefully he'll be able to analyze it and and uh, reveal some more good information for people. I think Ninja said the last episode was helpful for him. But, yeah. Well, it must – something helped Ninja. The dude just walked into a tournament with Astria and wrecked it. Like <laughs> – so I mean, was that a monthly tournament? Yeah, that was. He won the knockout tournament with Astria. Okay, um, which is awesome. And that's a really cool. I don't think we've talked. I don't think we've had an episode since that monthly tournament series started. So yeah, if if you're not familiar, there's now a monthly tournament series running, which is a really nice way to just like get some competitive play. And at worst, you're only committing to one game. Um, right. If you lose your first match, you're out. So, I guess it depends. If the time commitment is the problem, at best you're committing to one game. At worst, you're committing to right. I think four or five. True. Um, well, one thing I will say, Smendrix, about you know your your trade deck here is that, um, or your swing deck, I guess we should call it, is that Rin is not a good matchup for it. Number one. No, I, it was a really bad matchup. So, like, you, I mean, take you know, take some solace in that, right? Um, if, if you're playing a deck that is trying to win the battlefield against a Phoenix Born that gets to, you know, basically for free every round, boost up his battlefield by one life. Uh, that that's a tough proposition. So, um, I, yeah. I think that's a you know that's a thing you need to take away from it off the top. Not to mention now with, uh, oh gosh, Shattering Change Fist. No, I was going to say Shattering Fist. I mean, that, that, that's a really, really strong battlefield control tool. Um, to me, Rin is like close to Herald level of battlefield control nowadays. Um, when you play, wow. When you play with Shattering Fist and Adaptadon. And, I mean, I could be saying that because Rin has been 
really the only Phoenix born to beat me in <laughs> competitively in the last three or four weeks. Um, but I've I've really struggled against him specifically. So I I do think there's something to be said for that. But um, I I think treatment hit most of the stuff on the head with how yeah how to win. I and I'll I'll tell you I'm not going to be a ton of help here because I'm I'm like you I don't like to play those types of decks. I mean there's a you know um, I, I there's a reason I brought Hope Burn into the World's Tournament. There's a reason I played. Leo Super Mill in the last monthly tournament. Like I, I don't like to play fair. Let's, let's put it in, in competitive games, <laughs> right? I it's, and that's that's how I kind of look at it. I'm not good. Like I, I'm I'm the Ashes villain, I guess. I, I'm not good at. <laughs> I, I, I'm not good at winning the game the way you're supposed to win. That's like how I think about it. Whenever I get into a game where I'm just trading, I usually come out on the wrong end of that. And I've had too many games where I've just run into this wall of guys and I don't feel like I have a way to get through. And that could just be because it's how I build or whatever. But I'm like you. I need that crutch. And it is a crutch, right? Like it, that backup fallback plan, pressure point, secondary win con, plan B, whatever you want to call it. Um I really struggle to win without that. And it, it's, mm-hmm. it, it seems like the answer is, yeah, you, you just, you, you engineer a, a top around swing. Right. But I mean, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> yeah. It's either that. I mean, I'm talking specifically with the stamina burst idea is like, I guess that would be the epitome of what you want to do, but you can just as easily chip away. Um, you know, in bursts of two and three and force them when possible. Like if you can force a guard yeah. every round, obviously that's going to be slow. But if you can force that for a guard for two or three, it basically gets you halfway there for most Phoenix born, like against a Rin anyway, that's going to, you know, that'll add up over four rounds to eight damage. If you can do it consistently. Well, that was so. Yeah. Right. Totally. Then that happened to be the biggest thing to, uh, killer's point about this matchup was that this Rin was running Gilder, and my only way to avoid the Gilder guards was Frostback Bear, and Rin hit all three Shattering Fists all on Frostback Bears. So I basically didn't have a way of pressuring the guard because there was always one to two Gilders up, and it was only the Frostback Bears that could avoid them. So I think you're right. I mean, I think, I think that's the plan. Uh, probably not to read too much into one bad matchup. Uh, this brings up frustration. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to watch like just an um, absolutely miserable, unfun game of two swing decks that have like that just go at it. Uh, my last matchup versus Matt Bowers was Harold versus Rin. Um, and we went to fatigue and in, 90% of it was like a stallmate of do nothing. It was, it was awful. Um, but hmm. that was like where I struggled. Same thing as I was on Harold, he was on Rin and I just, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. And then like an idiot, I clogged myself too, which made it even harder because I couldn't get past and right. do anything. And he had butterfly monks to just heal forever. So, right. That, um, yeah, it's all Matt's fault. That's why I've left the game 
<laughs> um, but that <laughs> there's probably learning lessons in in that game. Very long game. That is the other reason, by the way, that I don't like to play swing decks typically. Is I I'm I'm afraid of that game. Like I I that's an NPE for me. When you when it's just the you know the best thing to do is nothing. Nobody has a good attack. Um, and it's this, this kind of stalemate until we fatigue. Type. I hate those games. I've had three matches go to fatigue. Like, I've only played five matches in the last month and a bit, and three of them went to fatigue. That's brutal. I mean, I'm okay with the match going to fatigue if I'm trying to get it there, but... It, no, no, I meant, like, t- as a swing deck, that's what, yeah. what happened. Yeah. And losing because of sudden death rules is... Yeah, that, that's that's rough. We're, oh, I don't yeah. care. We're on pocket. It's bullshit. Yeah. Sun death sucks. Yeah. Those rules should just be completely tossed out the window. I hear you on that. Yeah. But I mean, it's, you know, th- there's definitely, like Treatment said before, an art form to finding the right trades to make and and when to do it. Um, it's not, you know, it seems sometimes as easy as attacking something that's not going to kill the thing you're attacking with. Like, that's that's step one to making a good trade, but there, there's so much more that goes into it than that. And um, B- Brian threw out a term the other day on the Discord that I kind of have latched onto in my head that we haven't talked about yet. Um, he said, I never heard it before until he said it, and it um, it resonated with me. He made a comment like, you know, you have to be careful about summoning guard magnets. So he used this term guard magnet. Right, which he which he basically meant summoning a unit that is going to get attacked and force your Phoenixborn to guard for it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Um, and that that stuck with me it, because it's it's not necessarily the way I think, and that you know is the way he thinks, and it's why at least one of the reasons why he's so good at trading units is he knows when an attack that he's going to make is going to put pressure on you to spend that guard or not. And being able to identify those situations and not just identify them, but create them um, is the, is I think the key, well, creating those situations is the key to it, but I, I, I could not tell you how to do that, <laughs> but like <laughs> that's, uh, you know, it, finding ways to engineer a board state, to force them to either summon something or um, you know make some kind of play where they they can't protect this unit other than guarding with their Phoenix born earlier than they want to is a big deal that's that's what I'll say about it I, I don't know how to tell you how to do that with your Lulu deck but I, I like the term guard magnet and just thinking about it that way kind of helps me yeah for sure when i'm you know when i'm choosing to summon something or to attack something it's an interesting idea and it's also sort of a bit random but it also makes me think about why it is that um cards like old salt river scald well on a spectrum from so strong it was banned in river scald or chained to just on the you know, just on the right side of a chain and old salt to, you know, I think conditionally strong, but 
fairly overlooked and adapted on. I would actually include adapted on with those two because of its um, adaptation ability. But those cards that get removal value or just any kind of value, but especially removal value because of how powerful removal is on the turn they come into play. Um, and then are are still are, are not exhausted. So I'm differentiating them from like Enchanted Violinist or Rosefire Dancer, which are good, but not quite the same. Right. Like those cards are so great because in some ways you don't necessarily have to worry about guarding for them. Like you could guard for them. There are certainly situations where you'd want to, but if you've got the right ping or exhaust um, or with scald, like straight up night explosion, um, you don't, you know, they've gotten their value to some degree. And, you know, if they trade evenly on the battlefield with a unit attacking into them, like you just never guard with them, like your, your plus value or guard for them. So anyway, it's just notable that there's, this idea of guard magnets and then these these units in particular that have this um, feature of, of getting a lot of value the moment they land on the table. So in some ways, you don't have to guard for them so much. You, you don't need to keep them around to realize their value. That's the old two-for-one term from TCGs, right? right? That we don't... It, like, you know, yeah. I, I remember Neil from Shufflebus used to say it all the time. And we would think like, well, you know, those things don't port the same way into ashes as they do into other games because of the way the resources work but it really but this concept i think really does right and um you know it's it's kind of silly and i I think carl's been saying it multiple times lately in the server it's kind of silly how little river skull is actually played um (laughs) because it's so and i get it's changed right but um that two for one potential is just so big that's crazy if you think about units, like you said, that do that have ETF abilities, especially if they're removal abilities, those are probably candidates of like you should basic not I don't want to say never, but like you shouldn't guard. Like so if old salt, if you play it and you remove another unit, I don't think there's a reason generally, like as a as a broad stroke, to to guard it because no, you're gonna counter with it. It's already removed something. Right. Do you really want to sacrifice your guard and your and your life pool just to do something exactly. that's already gotten double value? No. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Um, exactly right. Um, it is interesting to me. I'll just one more <laughs> aside, then we can move off this. I'll, I'll use this as a, as a transition. I do think the fact that, I mean, treatment has evolved from jank player to... Um, serious student of the game killer is somehow a top five jank player uh i don't know where i am exactly in this metamorphosis you surpassed me bud that's just because you're not playing but i'm losing when i play so there you go (laughs) i do think like this wanting to be an ashes villain i think is actually closely related to the appeal of jank it's like yeah if i can just find this thing that my opponent can't answer um then all my problems will be solved and I won't have to worry about the complicated business of battlefield trading, which is part of what led me when I made the first, like when I entered the shuffle bus tournament with the realm Walker hunting weapons deck to make that deck was like, cause there is something deeply intimidating of being like, Hey, this thing that you have to get really good at, which is if you want to be really good at this game, which is battlefield trading. Um, and in some ways, pure battlefield trading. You have to do it in the face of, like, (laughs) 
Carl, Brian, Matt, these like established, incredibly good players at that thing. In that context, it's very appealing to try and figure out the kind of uh, side door jank option. And that was, um, for me, that was Realm Walker hunting weapons. Um, Clue has had a lot more success with it. And what's crazy about it is like, I feel like people are talk more about that deck now. I mean, it's not crazy. It's just, it, it, it has become a big part of the community, but often in like casual circles like it's not it's not winning tournaments but like and i have not run into it in a casual game until recently and it wasn't even a full realm of the absurd deck because my opponent didn't didn't protect the realm walker with golden veil so i just like windmill slammed sort of virtue onto it as soon as it appeared um but i just you know i haven't been running into it but it's been getting a huge amount of conversation as a problem deck um and i'm curious are you guys seeing it? Well, treatment, maybe not, especially if the only games you've been playing have been going to fatigue. I, I did. I'll I'll tell you about it. <laughs> okay. I mean, a quick side note, because you mentioned like that you were looking for like ways to play outside of yeah what Ashes purports to be. And I think that it's interesting that the number of times Carl has said he's lost is generally, or the, the deck that he loses most frequently to the archetype is a burn deck right and mm. that is one of like if you think about ashes as as swing and board and presence and working outside of that being um burn as a more successful you know variant of uh as opposed to mill which hasn't quite gotten there although killer's done a bang up job with the the turbo mill um I and think, we're about to see when blight drops yeah exactly i think that's really interesting but no my Right before I lost to uh, to Matt, the week before that, I lost to Kip in, I think, a five-minute game. Um, and it was a Realm of the <laughs> uh-huh. Absurd game. And uh, he played Echo, Realm of the Absurd, but he, it was interesting. I even expected it, and I had Guilt Link, and I thought I would be able to handle it um, just with other cards, like Rising Horde I had to to put more stuff on the board um and he started with hunt master first and then Hmm. realm walker hunting weapons and that really so by turn three i played it i i first of all i played a terrible first five i played it slow i played it dumb um he swung for what is that one two three four five six seven eight the first time because uh boosted with the Huntmaster and then Chaos Gravity swung for another eight, I think, um, or seven. And I managed to get him down to top of three. I like I clawed my way back and had him at hmm. five life, I think, and I had t- I had lethal swing. Um, or maybe it was ten and it was I had lethal swing because I had a full board, but he had molten gold and he finished it. And hmm. it was very frustrating. It's it's a hard it it's very hard to take down if you're not prepared for it and even if you are, there's enough tricks that can be like it becomes mind games I think of like is this person mm-hmm. gonna first five this like do I first five Golden Veil because I think they have removal or they're not in color for mm-hmm. removal so what are they gonna do instead? It's irritating, and it's interesting to see how many different shells like 
Clue really took the idea. I think he played like almost every Phoenixborn with it. Like, he, and mm-hmm. his favorites are not the ones I would have expected. Echo seems like an obvious choice, but his favorite was what it was Odette. Odette. Yeah, but his second yeah. favorite was something I, I forget now. What he says. Astria, Astria, and I wasn't expecting that. I mean, it seems like sort of obvious, but it's interesting that it's the smaller fields too that that worked mm-hmm. in the higher life um so it's yeah it's very flexible and it is if you're a new player i think it is npe but at the competitive level i'm wondering why no one's done it like the all-out version because i mean just having realm walker plus hunting weapons in the deck that you could play round two or three i don't that's not really what yeah. the deck is about it's about playing that round one you know right. try and punish you for half your life total yeah it's it's interesting i I, I've not run into it a lot. Um, I feel like there was a game somewhere in the last couple months, either in not in collection, but either in the the knockout tournament that I was playing Leo Mill or Phoenix League, where I was playing Leo Mill because I just played nothing but Leo Mill for a long time. Um, I feel like I ran into it at least once. Or some version. That's I, it. Yeah, it, not a lot. Um, and it was—I don't think it was really an all-out thing either. Um, I remember winning the game, but I—I I don't remember how. Um, I remember sitting down across from an Echo deck that had Time and Illusion, and thinking, "Oh crap! Like this is bad for me." Um, but I—I I think I was just able to play enough guys out that and it's you know that that deck makes it difficult because you don't want to ping away the little guys because it mills you for it um and it i i had generosities and redirects and stuff to kind of keep me around um but i've i've just not had a ton of experience against it i i remember the the one time i ran into it I ran into it when we were playing the Saria deck in that pod tournament forever ago when we all played mm. it, and I had Shadow Guard. <laughs> I had told us to include it specifically for, like, just a one-of yeah. for that possibility. Yeah, yeah. and I, I first fived it and used it and killed the Realm Walker and just basically won right there. So that's, you know, that, that doesn't work when they root armor the Realm Walker, but this person didn't they did the hunting weapons thing and the shadow guard just killed it you still trade in two to four though right like you like you're you've got them down two damage you've traded two dice for four they still have to then refresh it for five that gives you an opening yeah i mean you you you, you save four life too like it, yeah yeah which it's it's not nothing it just doesn't automatically kill the realm walker um like it does when they have three or when they don't have root armor. Um, but it's, I, I don't know. It, it is, it, it's an interesting question to me in ashes, you know, whether these round one rushy type decks that are enabled by one big unit should exist or not. Um, you know, p- part of me, understands the NPE that can come of it if you don't first five correctly 
and are surprised by a big realm walker or a big archosaurus or a a big you know hydra pre-chain or a big dread wraith or whatever it is to, to me all these decks are the same um i i know that realm walker is is not really to me it's not really thought of in the same breath as those other things like people don't talk about the realm of the absurd absurd deck like they would talk about carl's infuriating dread wraith deck um but when I think about it, it's it's one big unit doing a bunch of damage that's unblockable in the first round. Um, and should that be allowed to exist or not? And I, I get the NPE stuff, um, but I also again I'm I'm the villain in Ashes, right? I, I like I don't want to play fair, and that's that that's an exciting thing to me. Like that to have that type of deck in the game excites me a bit I, I i like those interesting kind of surprise got you moments so i i don't know i mean if you know they're they're talking about a golden veil chain and i do think a golden veil chain would eliminate a lot of this despite the fact that we've been telling people to wolf down and play removal forever now i feel like um even though i, I say that and i don't do it myself but but like um, I, I do think that taking away Golden Veil to protect that big unit you have from hard removal is going to put a, a a damper on playing these types of decks. Um, I think it's going to make trade decks a lot better um, because I, I think these these unit trade decks that want to start slow and establish an engine and then. Um, Outtrade the opponent with efficient units, suffer against these you know early quick rushdown type things, um, and like I said, I don't I don't like playing trade versus trade, so that scares me a little bit about the game. Um, if the meta devolves into that, I hope it won't. It it probably won't, but I just get you know, I, I back of my mind is like, oh, I just, I just hope everyone's not playing Herald Pact versus Herald Pact, and the game gets boring. But at the same time, I mean, I, I get that if someone drops a Realm Walker and puts hunting weapons on it, and you're not ready to deal with that, you might have just lost the game before it started. And I, I don't know that, regardless of how much of a villain I want to be in this game, that that's fun for anybody. So I'm, I'm very on the fence about the whole thing. Um, I, I do think there are ways to beat Realm Walker. Um, it's it's a little it's not as bad as like the Hydra ex explosive growth or massive growth rather stuff that used to exist pre chains. But I mean, if everyone just played Ash Spirit and Call to Action, then there wouldn't be a problem, and we just <laughs> is that too much to ask? On, Come on, right? guys, <laughs> dude. Ash Spirit, Ash, Ash Spirit is like the 2023 MVP for me. I love this card right now. Okay, but how much worse would Ash Spirit <laughs> be if anyone had bothered to read Ash Spirit? Because I feel like half your success with Ash Spirit is people <laughs> haven't read the card and they haven't read the focus effect on the book. Yeah, I think it's the focus effect that people just never bother with. And they're like, I didn't even know that you did focus the book. Wait, there's a focus effect? And then it's like, oh. <laughs> I, I will say... Yeah, I, I will say that I had multiple games in which I played a focused Ash Spirit 
force the opponent to discard a card that they were not expecting to have to discard, and that threw them for a loop. And I also had multiple games in which I had people pass at the end of a round expecting to start the next round, and then all of a sudden they're dead, and they're like, wait, why did I lose? And I'm like, Ashbeard just burned you for three. And they're like, oh, that, that does that? And like, yeah, like, I, <laughs> um, so I, I did have that, but um, that thing just does, it does so much, so much in that turbo mill deck. It, it does so many different things. Um, but one thing it also does is if when paired with a call to action, it beats Realm of the Absurd. So I'm just throwing that out there. And you're just trading three dice for three dice. There you go. Well, you're trading three dice for four dice, probably. No, three. Well, that's true. Three dice for four dice. Oh, three with the book tax. Yeah, the book tax. Yeah. yeah. That's and another they're probably thing. Alter- <laughs> yeah. They're playing an alteration on that Realm Walker. You're up a die if they hunting weapons it. I, w- I bet you could ask. Yeah, you're, you're definitely up. You could poll yeah. people and be like, okay, outside the fact that Ash Spirit is a zero attack unit and whatever, like it destroys the unit um, that destroys it on attack. Name like any other attribute of Ash Spirit. Most people <laughs> will not know anything. They won't know it has a focus effect. They won't know it does end of round or start of round damage. They won't know that um, it has... Actually, I, I'm not even sure. Does it have two life? I think it does, right? It's not one life. Two it has life. two life. And does it have recover? Is Nick a no, sadist? No. Okay, good. <laughs> it forces both players to draw a card when it's played as well. That's true. Yeah, both players draw. Uh, Conjure... That people, I'm sure, have noticed because it happens every time. Yeah, yeah. Now it does, but... it. I, I am I'm very impressed with the deck that you that you have. I think it's awesome. And I keep saying you need to play it seriously. Well, it started as your idea and I You need to play it ser- like like when I say seriously. He's been playing it I seriously. Know. And he took it to knockout <laughs> arena and now I'm saying like take it like bring it to the the big leagues. Bring it to the next open or whatever. All right, let's come I want to we can talk about what from blight to add to that. Yeah. Uh, treatment you said you had a bunch of thoughts about flight or realm realm yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so okay i think it comes down to a few things it comes down to one what is the expectation like when people are having the discussion what is the expectation they have of ashes at a high level like what do they expect once all of the cards are down the meta to be and what is a valid strategy to win and those kind of all-in plans, in my opinion, should be part of the game. It's just that they have to be appropriately balanced. And they have to be balanced because they're they're all-in. They have to effectively be a glass cannon. So it can be a gotcha, and you you know that's part of the game. But if it's also like virtually impossible to deal with it especially round one if it's the type of deck that can kill you round one or top round two that's where it becomes a problem and i originally was against the idea of golden veil chain like just it seemed like a ridiculous idea but i do think it provides probably that balance where it makes it so like if you want to run archie smash or hydra 
like I think Carl said, you could take everything else off the list more or less um, if you if you just chain Golden Veil. I think that's a really interesting proposition because you could then try and run all these things and it becomes a gotcha. But at the same time, do you want like what do you want Ashes to be? Do you want it to be a rock paper scissor gamble of I ran into this deck and I just either you know didn't have the answer right or I didn't think of them running the gotcha deck because they're so rare and you don't want those decks to become consistent um, in the meta because if they're always around then that probably indicates that there's an issue like if if you ran a tournament and 19 out of 30 decks are some sort of one big unit try and win round one that's probably an issue indicating some sort of overpowerness or whatever so it's i think it's an interesting fine balance i'm okay with realm of the absurd it definitely can suck to lose um but maybe golden veil chain is the answer because i haven't found it to be a problem against decks that don't pack charm like i think then you can sort of you can either try and anticipate it or deal with it um I think your deck that you gave me uh, or that you made for Halloween, the trick or treat effectively had a realm of the absurd open and yeah, you had the option. Yeah, but it had no charm, so it could be dealt with, but it also once or twice had the gotcha moment that worked. And I think that's, that can be okay. It just depends what you want ashes to be. If you want it to always be more of the like level playing fields that you can always anticipate round one um so i don't know but like archie smash is the same i've been gotten by that by uh under rug swept and it can suck just as much but in a different way um because for like outside of fest well double removal really um you're gonna have a hard time yeah look i think we've probably explored this to death via conversations on the server and i think we've probably talked about this before but like but I do think these points are important. I think Nick's been pretty clear that in the choices in the chain list, he doesn't want the game to become too RPS. I stand by the fact that, like, I do think there is a high degree of psychology involved in um, losing, effectively, round one to... Realm Walker hunting weapons versus probably knowing you're going to lose round four to like the right four books plus Aridel or whatever. Like, right. It's, uh, <laughs> it just takes longer. Now, the fact that it takes longer, that's the game. So, like, yeah, you get to enjoy more of the game, but like at the same time, I don't think the outcome is in any more doubt in those two situations in truth there's more room for variance, I guess, because there are more cards drawn over more rounds. But the fact that those, the, the right and book driven engines exist means that a lot of that variance can't change the outcome in a meaningful way. So, but yeah, so psychology matters because what we're fundamentally talking about is fun. I think the one thing that makes me sad about going to a chain to deal with realm of the absurd is like, I understand why it's necessary and I think if we really if we really truly had a bunch of um 
local meadows all around the country, I think it would increase the urgency rather than basically a single meta online. Um, but there are cards in the card pool, deeper ones than the ones we've talked about, um, that I think the pressure of Realm of the Absurd force into the conversation. And I feel like it's, and otherwise those cards might stay on the sidelines or, or not be as explored. So like we already talked about Ash Spirit, that's definitely an underplayed card. That's an interesting combination with Call to Action. There's Shadow Guard, very underplayed. And we... <laughs> we had one of my favorite moments on the podcast when we talked about reflections in the water, which again is still, if you want to find a cheap, easily splashable, like second removal or pseudo removal option that you could put in your first five, um, or include with forager, that's definitely one. And it's got utility just beyond realm of the absurd, because you can generally find a place where it, it might get you a little bit of marginal value elsewhere. And I think the and wolf like we we've talked about it, but like, yeah, wolf in general. And I wonder is that because like a lot of these answers are in charm or illusion or time, and thus far yeah. those are also the ones that well, I mean, charm is coming out, but those are the ones that are both underplayed as a whole and do not have the mono support yet. So is it that? they're not being utilized because people aren't going deep enough into those pools. Like Shadow Guard takes two class illusions and most people aren't really diving into illusion enough to support that type of start. Yeah, I agree. There are also the colors that play Realm of the Absurd, by the way. Yeah, every color yeah. has its counter type of thing, yeah. <laughs> I am really going to struggle to find a reason not to play Odette in a world with no golden veil or a golden veil chain i guess um not no golden veil but like i mean sword was already absurd as a card in the first five even in golden veil because you could always use it as a refresh instead so maybe this doesn't really affect it on the margin but like if i get just complete unfettered access to remove the most annoying unit on my opponent's battlefield um so powerful not to mention then I guess the only reasons I wouldn't play Odette is because I instead want to play like Tristan or, or Echo or any of the other PBs that have these really just blowout um, cards. Jessa like would be really Jessa great again. Jessa with fear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Golden Veil is in some ways the only thing that's kind of, I don't know, not constraining. We just don't see that much Golden Veil to be totally honest with you outside of these all index but um well here's here's an, so maybe it's just not a, a non-issue here are two more thoughts so first um because you were talking about or we were sort of covering like, I, I guess the rps-ish nature but do do either of you guys watch or ever have watched professional starcraft mm, no or no. do you at least know the game no you don't know the game okay i know starcraft yeah so in the game um you know, high level play, you're talking about the psychology of it. And especially in matches, there's, there's three um, player, uh, like you can play three different um, teams. I'll call them for anyone who's just not into the game. There's Zerg, Protoss, and Terran. Zerg are like the swarmy. Humans, elves, and Human, yeah. orcs slash uh, bugs. And so they have the ability to do some crazy like rush strats. Um, and... 
So it eventually becomes the talk of like, oh, am, are you going to get cheesed? Like, are you, is is the person going to run a cheesy strat where it's all in and they try and, you know, play one of their expansion bases right next to yours and try and win just by spamming out really quickly early units that are generally weak. But if they're close enough and massed enough in the first five minutes of the game, you win. But if they don't win in those first few minutes and or you suspect it and you counter them properly, then they effectively lose. Like most of the time, these games, the person playing this cheesy strat if they don't get their start, their, the, the ideal start that's supposed to win, they just concede like, like a few minutes into the game if, if they didn't, if it didn't take off. And that's the type of mind games where like if you play one of these things like Realm of the Absurd and then your Realm Walker dies, you probably don't have a plan B or enough of a way to claw back in. But uh, and And so maybe that is the type of game that, you know, uh, people want or maybe it's the type of game that nick doesn't want um which is fine all you know all things considered but i think it's valuable and i think it's a valid way that like allows people to play different styles another part of the issue aside from golden veil though i think is just the vast disparity in phoenix born life totals which makes these things these types of strategies so unbalanced um like if you're i mean Fino as it is you know, or I've seen discussion today. Brian was just saying like he would rather play Vicky basically just for the extra life because he thinks the 15 life is such a handicap. And it's very interesting because if if there was a shuffling or rebalancing of health totals, I wonder how often these gotcha decks would come up in discussion. Like, let's just say even for simplicity's sake, if everyone was at 20 life, would these one or two swing round one decks be as effective as if you know the majority or the the most popular phoenix born of the day is one that's sitting at 16 life right or is it it would it be as effective if heal wasn't you know phoenix attendant and whatever else wasn't as popular as it is today i think that conversation becomes different and it's because these balance these the phoenix born are not balanced as a as an as a whole especially in respect to these types of strategies yeah i would love i mean we just printed a whole bunch of new tokens but like i think it would be very cool to normalize for all sorts of different purposes for handicapping more experienced players playing less experienced players to effectively create mini chains on the phoenix born based on tournament results like health modifier tokens to say like Look, you know, for the next tournament, Harold's going in with a minus one health modifier. He won the last tournament. Like, we're going to see how that goes. And, like, if he, you know, <laughs> no one plays him, falls out, we'll reassess. But, like, I think, I feel like we should be, I would love to see, I mean, I guess I am, I, I almost always come down on the side of, like, more aggressively adjusting things on the fly to try and, um improve the meta but like that feels like such an easy you don't even have to reprint the cards just normalize the idea that to balance competitive play on an ongoing basis we're not just going to chain cards but we're going to modify pb health totals like just print the tokens with whatever set yeah, comes print, after charm yeah, exactly print a plus one yeah. plus two plus three like th- minus two, one minus two, minus, minus one three. minus two minus three print print two sets of them 
and that covers yeah. your life total and um your well you could you could do it for all three stats you could do it for battlefield and for hand size yeah i mean that it's probably hard to figure out how to do that at least do right. it for yeah. yeah at least do it for health and then see where that goes i think you could even print because as it is i yeah i think there are problems and i don't know that even after you buff vicky fiona whatever that they're still all going to be on a fair level and it's dynamic like yeah I don't, I don't think you could say given how much we're changing pbs just with the alternative the alternate um signatures in some cases like rin got a big boost like what's rin at i think he's 16 health or 17 17? 16 16 yeah i mean it's probably fine for where he's at honestly but like rin is 17 health. trying to think of what would a pb be that whose new signature signature could justify like some kind of health adjustment i don't know that we've got one yet but i would have much rather seen like like brennan right now we were just having a conversation might be a little under brennan got too hit yeah a little undertuned and like that's such an easier change to make to say in tournaments going forward like instead of the minus three health modifier on brennan we're going to go to minus two for sure i and i have seen that argument well, I think Killer came up with that a while back. I remember Carl talking about a living document that's like that Plat had just prints. Like, even if you don't want to do tokens, if you just want to be quote unquote lazy about it and be like, hey, we're going to print a living document that says here's the stats, right? And you yeah. can, I mean, it really comes down to if you're talking about organized play anyway and you don't care about kitchen table, then fine. Then nobody has to follow it if they don't want to. They don't have to follow a chain list right now, but we basically do. And the only way to find the chain list is to go to the document. So just print adjustments. I think we've done it. I think we've done Realm of the Absurd. Oh, I was wrong. Rin is 17. Knock him down. He's too Rin good. Is 17. Yeah, yeah, Rin is 17. I was trying to talk, but my microphone was brought bad or he something. He's dropping out. It wouldn't be an episode without I'm like, him. Rin is 17, guys. He's 17. And like, no one's listening. And then I like. Yeah, it's Harold that's 16. Yeah. I think you could even print like the. Just the the life total things, like the 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, like little circles, sure. and just yeah, stick sure. one of those, right? Like on top of the, he's got like, because we're not going to go below 15 and we're not going to go above 20, so at least I don't think. Right. So, like, that's just three pieces of cardboard because you can flip them over, just right. stick it on there. I don't know. That's a good idea. Well, we've gone for over an hour. Anything else you guys wanted to talk about, or should we... We always go longer. What are you talking... <laughs> You're too efficient this time. We can't come back from Christmas and it's just like, yeah, cut it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, no, I, I I feel strongly about, like, adjusting the stats. Um, I think it needs to be done, whether it's now or whether it's at the end, before the hang-up. We, sorry, we promised listeners a preview of what kind of new tortures... Killer is going to add to his Leo Turbo Mill deck that runs Ash Spirit, Abundance, Orchid Dove. Yeah. Ryle, Flock Shepherd. I mean, you got to run Farewell. If if that's, I would say that's probably the only change you need. Farewell needs to go in. Um, I need to. I I need to figure out how to deal with Rin. Why is Rin a problem specifically? Because he has. He has. He always plays adapted on. 
um, which is the real problem, right? Because huh. it can it, it can exhaust Glowfinch very easily, and it takes away a lot of my mill. Plus, Shattering Fist um, does two things, right? Number one, it it just wipes a Flop Shepherd or a Beast Tamer off the board in the first round mm-hmm. and leaves me down on dice. And also, it gives the Adaptodon another use of Ice Adaptation to exhaust an Orchid Dove or an Ash Spirit or any literally any unit I play that's <laughs> that's not a Beast Tamer. Um, and then he typically plays Clashing Tempers as well, um, which is a horrible card against me. So um, that's really the main issues. Um, I mean, Fred was doing some other things like buffing up Ruin Dwellers. Oh, he was playing that deck. Yeah. Yeah, and things that uh, you know that burn me right, and that put me on a bit more of a clock. So it was it, it was just kind of a a mess of things that are really efficient against me. But um, I, I need Golden Veil, right? That's the other change that the deck needs. I don't have it right now. And Golden Veil would solve a lot of those problems. So I, I probably take the Anguishes out in favor of Golden Veil. Um, or at least one, potentially one Golden Veil and one Call to Action. Because um, I've been a little bit worried about the Realm of the Absurd decks too. And Call to Action would fix that problem because I already have Ash Spirit. Um, plus it's good. I'm running Neil now, so Call to Action is good with Neil. Neil also fixes Realm of the Absurd. Yeah, it delays it. Or at least one swing. Yeah, it helps a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, it fixes round one, right? And then you kind of set up. Yeah, it it helps a little bit. Um, But yeah, it's Farewell goes in for sure. And then uh, um, Golden Veil goes in as well. And that's probably it. I'm not going to add any of the charm dice, like, manipulating stuff to it. No. Would you do Embrace? I don't think so. Um, it's an interesting... Don't you remember Killer hates that card? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, because it's certainly always going to work in my favor because I'm not doing any damage. But I, I just think there's... I think it's too often it's just a a heal one card. And I would ra- if I'm going to play... If I'm going to play a healing card, I'm going to heal two, not one. <laughs> with that healing card, I think. Um, plus, I'm not sure I have too much more room for any more healing cards in the list as it is. But that probably would be the next one to go in of from the set. There's not a ton that really helps a prison deck like this. It's more about it's more it's all battlefield stuff, right? It's 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 just you know Nick fighting the good fight and not giving the villains the cards they need to play unfairly. Well, Astra is not going to care. Like I, I'm gonna, I think you're going to see an uptick in Astria, and then Realm of the Absurd is like, oh, okay. Yeah, so that's the other thing I did want to say on Realm of the Absurd. <laughs> you try to get out, but you draw me back in. Is like, I. Who knows if a Golden Veil, um, chain is coming? I hope we just wait until we see what happens with like, Astria. Coming in, like I don't know. I think that destroy all units card. Judgment's a scary card, man. Yeah. It's a scary card. 
And like it, it seems like Ninja Dance Mat just proved that Astria actually can be good. And I, that's something I've been suspicious about for a long time because her ability is very, very good. Like I know her stats are bad, but like four battlefield isn't good, but it's it's not insurmountable. And Odette does just fine with five, and like five is not that bad. And Jessa does with four. And Je- yeah, like Astria's ability is very good, and I I felt like the only thing holding her back was a, a very like mediocre, unique card in the ability to manage four battlefield. And this card that she gets is a very good card, and it helps mitigate that battlefield problem that she has. Like it. She's going to be really good now, potentially, if people can figure out how to use judgment correctly. I think it's in, I think it's going to be interesting. Gates is my judgment answer. That's the thing I, I want to figure out. Gates opens with four books. Mm. It's really... Just go to all burn. Bring burn back. <laughs> I just need to figure Burn's out... Burn's already back, man. Burn, burn is here. <laughs> That's true. I, I lost uh, to Burn as well, incidentally, um, Brankus in the the first knockout arena. That was how I started my journey. But I just need to figure out like 20, 20 to 25 cards that will make Astria decent and then let Fred polish it off and he can go test my ideas and <laughs> tell me whether they work or not. That kid is has been a fun partner to to build with. Yeah, he's like the bane of my existence right now. All the decks he's... Well, every time I watch a game, you versus Simi, and then he reports back, and then you report back in, in like the two different chats, <laughs> and you're just like, man, I friggin' hate that he just beat me with this crap. <laughs> and then Fred's like, so I think this deck has legs. I'm now like 7-0 and o with it, and I just beat Casey. And it's like, okay, good. <laughs> I'm getting both sides. I, I've never beaten him. I've played him a lot. At all? Never. Yeah, I'm over life against Fred. I I've beaten him once that I can remember. He's only beaten me once, which I don't understand. We've played a few times. Um wow. But he well, to be fair, the first few times he lost against me was when I was playing Turbo Mill and he still wasn't used to he was new to the game and he was only really really good at every other strategy other than facing Turbo Mill, so well, he just beat that twice. Yeah, well, because see, I gave him the practice. <laughs> For a short period of time. I, I gave him the practice early on, so now he knows. Adaptedon came out since then, too, which kind of screws over Turbo Mill. So. Yeah, it's rough for it, but I just got to put in Golden Veil and use it against that Adaptedon and Clashing Tempers garbage. Shattering Fist. Splash for Trap. Yeah. Splash for Ice Trap. I can't splash anymore, but Golden Veil will do the job. All right, we did it, gang. We're back. 2024, Blight of Never Set. It's all happening. (laughs) Get your shimmer wings out, baby. Do the shimmy. And build some janky stuff. Jericho shimmer wing for the win. Let's do it. Should we should we make should we make it uh, January? It doesn't seem like Jankfest is gonna happen, but should we just? Should make a whole month. I'm in for it. Man, I'm here for it. But I mean, I I am gonna start working 75 hour weeks pretty soon. But taxes. That doesn't mean I'm not here for it. Yeah, 
I'm still here for it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm I'm good for whatever. I'm good to just you guys keep sending me ideas separately or whatever, and I'll just stamp, give my stamp of approval. <laughs> you you've just become the oracle. Yeah, it's like treatment used to play, but now we just. <laughs> send him things and he blesses them. I bless the deck. <laughs> yes, this is good though. This needs a few changes. You have to start making your advice more inscrutable. Be like when I send you a deck, I just want I want like a haiku that like I can't fi- understand. <laughs> <laughs> just, just have to ponder it for a while. No, you need to come back. It's you know, a lot a lot of the the scheduling crap was our fault, not your fault. So I apologize if I contributed to your frustration in any way. But if we get past that part, then we get to the ashes like frustration part. We could beat that stuff. Get you back in here. It's 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 so stupid. Like, honestly, this last month or whatever, or in general, this past year, like I'm at the best part of my life I've ever been. So I shouldn't be complaining over a game and few other minor quibbles yeah it's it's not stupid i trust it's just not stupid <laughs> there's a lot there's lots of reasons why it's okay to be frustrated and fed up with crap um to be able to come back from i had one of the best things that could have possibly happened to me in my life in career-wise happened to me over the last couple of years and all i did was complain about it like <laughs> it's uh, it's just a thing that you got to be able to get past and deal with. But take the time, which you did, which is cool. And we're ready to hit you. You're the only one that can beat Fred, apparently. So we need you to come back and do that. <laughs> yeah. If, if the Ashes meta is just the players, then like your treatment's the meta call right now. Fred is yeah, right. like <laughs> terrorizing everyone save us just can't he loses to treatment and astria man if i start playing astria yeah with your astria deck you'll be unstoppable <laughs> I'll, I'll take it all over your ass treatment deck astria. Ass treatment. <laughs> now you know i have to build as soon as blight comes like into tech i gotta play something like that. Uh, must be done you have no choice yeah. ninja will be happy he'll be proud Alfred will be happy too, or maybe he won't. I'm not sure. He might be. He might. It might make him angrier if I succeed with Astria. Now he's on the Fiona track now. He's on the Fiona train. I mean, he kept asking me if he should give up on Astria, and I was like, "Well, at least until Blight comes out." <laughs> keep, keep telling, asking me, I'm like, "Yeah, put it away. Stop doing it. It's about to get so much better." He shouldn't. He shouldn't be angry. That's my point. All right. Who's signing us off? We gotta wrap this thing up. How many? Do we have anything new? Are we still just? You're not janky. It's stanky. Wolf down. Frog up. Snake out. Yeah. Snake out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Splites here. Snake out, everyone. Have a good night. Have a good All right, one. guys. Peace. Peace.